Shlom Aleichem. Today in Mishnah Yomi, we are learning Ketuvot, Chapter 8, Mishnayot, Dalet, the Hay, 4 and 5. Recall yesterday we're talking about a married woman inheriting property, and what if that property is land with crops on it, or what if it's just crops that are separated from the land? The Mishnah Dalet is on this same subject. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Makum Sheyupa Kocho Bichnisoto. So Shimon says the law favors the husband, gives him a yafekoach, we would say yasherkoach, gives him an increase in his legal rights as he is marrying the woman. Hura kocho bitziata. But if they're getting divorced, his rights are reduced. Makam shehura kocho bitziata. The item where he has less rights when he is marrying his wife, yupekocho bitziata. He actually gets more rights in the event of a divorce. Now, the Mishnah explains this enigmatic statement. So again, we're discussing property, which is it is a type of dowry we call malog, and the wife owns this land, but the husband, during the marriage, has rights to the produce. We say perot. He has the rights to whatever fruit or profit this land generates. So when there are perot mechubari in the karka, fruits attached to the ground, bichnisota, at the time of marriage, shalom, that goes to the husband, even though lamaisa, this fruit grew before they actually got married on her land, bitziyata, shalom. And during the time of divorce, if there is fruit actually on the ground, it will belong to her. He cannot claim it, even though it grew during the marriage. The hatulushim minakarka. What about produce which is separated, is already cut off and harvested? Bichnisato shala. During the, at the time of marriage, if this harvested crop was on the land, it belongs to her. Bitsiata. But at the time of divorce, shalo belongs to him. Let's go on to Mishnah. Naflu law. If she received from her family avodim ushfachot male servants or female servants, zikenim, and they are elderly, so they're not as capable of working as hard, schlepping as much, making as much profit for the husband as a younger servant would be. So the Mishnah rules, yimachru, they can be sold, the yalakach behen karka, and the married couple should buy land with it, fahu ochel perot, and the husband has the rights to the produce, the profits of this land, and the wife has title. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, Rabban Shimon Gamliel disagrees. This is low timkor. This means literally she should not sell it, meaning the wife can object to her husband's plan to sell the elderly servants that used to work in her family's house or his father's house. Why? These servants are sort of the, the glory of the house of her father. Now, the simple meaning is it shows that her, her father's household, her, her side of the family, had sort of had wealth, had prestige. They were able to have servants, and okay, the servants are a little older now, and they don't, uh, they don't, not able to work as hard. But it still shows something about the family and their honor. Another idea here is it's a sense of loyalty to people who've helped you in the past, even though they can't help you quite as much now. But just to have hakarasatov, to have gratitude, and to reward people for the loyalty they they've shown you in the past is is a worthwhile. Uh, investment to make, even though Lamaisa, from a financial sense, it might make more sense for the family to reinvest in younger servants who can work harder. And the Mishnah brings a related case. 
if she received olives or grapes, and they're old. They're not producing as much as a younger, uh, more fertile plant would do. Yemachru le'etzim. They could sell these old ones uh, for the value of firewood, and reinvest that money into land. And the husband has the right to eat the profits and the produce from the land, and she holds title. Rabbi Yehuda, Omer, she, Rabbi Yehuda says, again, she can object to the sale because this particular grapevine or this particular tree represents the glory and the status of her father's household. The Bartner here points out that the halacha is that she could object to the sale, and the Gemara explains that they all agree that if she owned the land, it was her land from her father's side, she could certainly object to the sale. Here we're talking about actually a detached, like a tree or a vine, where they own the tree or the vine, but not the land underneath it. Now, the Mishnah on the topic of investing, using dowry as an investment and trying to grow it and get profit from it, it turns to a related subject. Hamotzi hotzaut. Literally, he expended expenditures, al nichse ishto, on the property, the dowry of his wife. So the husband is investing in her property, fertilizing the field or the like. Hotzi harbe achel kima. What if he spent a lot of money improving and investing in her dowry? And he only ate a little bit of the fruit. Or Kimav Achel Harbe, he invested a little bit and he ate a lot of fruit. Masha Hotzi Hotzi, whatever he spent is spent. Masha Achel Achel. And whatever he ate, well, it's eaten. We don't say that they have to line up and make everything match and, you know, bottom line and get the, you know, exact dollar amount he spends. But what did he eat? But the mission brings one exception. Hotzi Velo Achel. What if he invested in her dowry, but he never actually harvested or enjoyed any of the fruits or profits. In that case, Yeshava Kamahotzi Vietzel, he can make a Shavua, an oath to the court about how much he spent and he can take. Now, he can't take everything. What if he invested $1,000 and the field only improved by $200? So, no, he can't take $1,000, but he could take up to $200. Yashar Koach,